2: U.S. News Podcast Series, where we usually interview subject matter experts and discuss the news relevant to the global unmanned technologies community. I'm your program host, Patrick Egan, and I want to say hello and welcome to our co-host, Gene Robinson.
0: Hello, and Happy New Year out there.
2: And our other co-host, Gary Mortimer.
1: G'day and hello from the future. I'm a couple of hours ahead of you, and it very nearly is New Year with me.
2: That's right, live from South Africa. Uh, This week's episode, episode number 33, is uh, 2012, the year in UAS. As always, there's a surplus of material to go over here, so let's keep the show on the road. Usually we do the show live, but getting folks on from overseas makes for some interesting audio, um, and so we wanted to have Gary on. We got, for the first time, we got uh, executive editor of the SUAS News, Gary <laughs> Mortimer. and uh, But Gary, before you give folks a bio, uh, let me just say that I reference you on the podcast often, and you're the guy that lives in a hut in the Zulu kingdom, and I usually tell people yep. that you're a Spears throw from Rourke's Drift. And
1: <laughs> yeah, you'd have to be a fairly good Olympic standard it's, it's about, drift's about
2: a 45
1: miles from here about 45 miles so you'd be a good spear chucker
2: <laughs> well you know if you've been eating your Wheaties and taking vitamins and whatnot it's it's a possibility
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe
2: alright well anyway why don't you uh, give us the real story a little bio
1: about yourself
2: and uh, what you're doing
1: well, by about me, it's, it's not a lot to tell, really. I got into this whole crazy shebang uh, a few years ago when I was working in a, a game lodge up in Kenya, and uh, a friend of mine um, needed to take pictures of some lions, and the lions tended to be on the other side of the river, which is great, but uh, the bridges uh, were about 20 miles north and south of us to get across the river a little bit less than that i'm exaggerating a little bit less than that. but they're quite a long way so we just thought well how on earth could we get a picture from the other side of the river and so i flew model airplanes it was like come on it's, it's got to be easy we'll just put a camera on a plane and then when you start putting a camera on a plane you think well there's got to be another way of keeping it all level and stuff and that was back in 2006 2007 when all this sort of started happening and i've just had a, a really great nerdy interest in it all ever since and um it, it came a time a few years ago when collecting all the news stories together seemed like a good idea and, and that was as you guys know that was the birth of sus news so that's that's me that's who i am i'm i, uh, I for, for a living up there i was flying hot air balloons taking people for rides over over the animals in the maasai mara over the migration and all that sort of thing and also do a little bit of helicopter and uh, glider flying so that's me very simple
2: Hey, uh, just a, a side question on the hot air ballooning. <clears throat> Did you uh, how high above the ground were you usually you take these people to see the animals? Just out of curiosity.
1: Oh, uh, well, uh, in that particular place, oh god, to pull up a sandbag. This is going to be boring. You'd start the flight at about a foot, but and that would get people very, very. If you ever go and fly in the Mara from Governor's Camp, and you think, why on earth is this dude flying me a foot off the ground for the first twenty minutes? <laughs> The reason for that is it, it takes you into a flow of wind that goes down the river and then you get down into the river and then you're, you're staying in and out of the trees, so anywhere between 50 feet and 5,000 feet basically from then on in. And it's, you have a, a wonderful ride down the river and see the stuff that's there. So it's a, it's, a, it's a nice way of seeing the ground.
2: So you're actually pretty close
1: to the wildlife then? Yeah, yeah, very close. You so get very used to it, <laughs> um, very used to it indeed. Interesting, interesting.
2: All right, well, the other thing I want to talk about, you know, because, um, you know, a lot of people have been reading the, uh, the web page, and we'll get more into that as the uh, test progresses. But I'd like to, uh, you know, as the executive editor of the SUS News website and whatever, you know, it's, it's expanding, I'd like you yeah. to, if possible, give the listeners an overview of your editorial ethos if possible
1: well sort the wheat from the chaff isn't it i mean all all three of us and everybody we all are very aware of stories that come out where people claim stuff for systems and oh you know all, all sorts of it's a snake oil filled market and people are up for being fleeced at the moment so the bottom line is is it's twofold it's to uh and get the correct story out and and put and 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 put other stuff out there for people to think about and and comment on um we're in we engage people across multiple platforms um many many of the so well all of the social media sites and and we get comments and feedback from that as well and that's great um it's it's by I, i suppose the ethos to sum it up it's buyer beware i think at the moment
2: well, I like that, and uh, I do think that uh, one thing that I really like about the participation in the SUS news and what we're doing is it's very inclusive. Um, you know, people come all the time and say, "Hey, can I contribute this?" Or people may contribute let's mm. say anonymously,
1: but I think it really gives the um, community a voice. And I think this last year, we've we've certainly seen a. A, a, a shift towards people bringing us stories and stories that other people won't uh, <laughs> won't put out there for whatever reason. The bottom line is we don't we don't have a super big agenda. I suppose we suffer from being very enthusiastic about the subject. That could be a fault, um, but at the same time we don't have to pander to do any big corporations or, or or say the right thing at the right time. We can just do it. Well, yeah, there's a little idealism.
2: Gene, would you like to uh, add something in there?
0: Sure. I think it's uh, it's it's really important for us to get outside the military-industrial complex uh, and portray what we see is going on in the UAS world. And I think that uh, SUAS News has done a very good job of that. Uh, we not only report on the military-industrial complex, but we also report on what a lot of the up-and-coming entrepreneurs are doing. Uh, I hope that we have many more stories to, to report of that ilk because I think that's where most of the innovation is going to be, and I hope that that continues. So, uh, you know, I, I think it's very important that, uh, that we continue down the same, same path as as, uh, as Gary said. You know, it's, it's up to us to separate the wheat from the chaff.
2: Oh, I concur, and uh, you know we all get caught in that. But you know, I'm also thinking that I want to, um, I'd like to do more investigative journalism, and I think that that's going to happen as the, uh, as the <coughs> we get more funding and whatnot, because I think that uh, there's none of that out there, and we're probably probably the only outlet for that. But I don't want to get too far into that right now. I want to talk about. Um, some of the news items and impressions and for me the big one of the big news items
1: is that the end of the world did
2: not happen. Yay.
1: Well, I'll tell you in a couple of hours, because my calendar stops tomorrow as well, so or tonight, so it could be tomorrow, couldn't it?
2: It could be. But uh, you know, you'll have to call me and forewarn me.
1: Yeah, there you go. <laughs>
2: a few hours ahead. <laughs> uh. Yeah. Okay, so segment one here. I want to talk about the overall impressions of 2012, and, and you know we kind of uh, glossed over that in a, uh, broad brush with the ethos thing, but let's talk about your impressions of 2012. And Gary, we'll we'll let you go first.
1: Well, I'm I'm glad that I've not been disappointed by the FAA again because every year <laughs> about um, about all this time we get some pronouncement that something's going to happen at Christmas time and then it never happens. So that's really cool because we've had that again. So I look forward next year to, to whatever's not going to happen. Um, so obviously that's a great shame. The, the, the test sites thing, thats to me. Uh, that that's, that, that that's not moved forward. Um, obviously you've got nowhere in America where nobody lives and nothing happens. So you can't go and set that up. I, I don't know. Look, I'm in South Africa now. I spend a lot of time uh, in the UK as well, and I've seen the introduction of of, of what the civil aviation authorities done there. And it's just it's it, it you, it's, you just can't. There's no comparison. It's it's just I don't understand it. For an outsider, I I just don't understand you people. Why can't you do it?
2: Well, you know, Gary, you know, we've been kind of wondering the same thing. We sit over here, we're we want to work with these people, I'm being facetious. Uh I'm going to let Jean uh speak to a little bit of that. Um Jean, do, do you have any uh feelings on do, the SA
0: thing? do you really want me to start? I uh, I don't think we have enough time on this broadcast to get it all in, but uh, uh yeah, I think, you know, it's the the overarching uh factor here is that almost or just about everyone in the FAA management comes from a man background. And uh, I think there's a bias there, to be quite honest with you. And quit laughing, you know, I'm trying to be serious about this. Um
2: Oh, uh, you're killing me over here. See I thought I was gonna, you know, save all this cynicism for the last here, but you're you're beating me to the punch.
0: Well, I, this is my impression. Now you you know that uh, I did get the opportunity to meet with some FAA officials and and speak with them, and uh, it it, uh, it it hasn't turned out exactly as uh, indicated, which is as Gary animated is not nothing new at this point. But uh, yeah, as far as I'm concerned, that. It's gone past the FAA now We're now into the the lawmakers The congress people and stuff like that And we're visiting things that have been visited Back in 2005 You know the privacy issue All of that stuff has now come back to roost Yet again And it has Taken the forefront as The reason why Various agencies are unable to use Unmanned aircraft And it's a load of hockey As far as I'm concerned but
1: you know, and there you have.
0: Show. Indeed. Well, well
1: yeah, yeah. I'm sorry if I, I dragged the, the conversation down down this route, really. <laughs> 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 I, I, I didn't mean to, but it definitely. So you're bringing it back round to what what's happened in the year. Uh, there's been some great stories, oh. and uh, there's been some. The, the, what blows my mind is just how the technology is coming together. The
0: uh, yes, I agree. The sensors are That's getting good.
1: cheaper. You know, yes. it, it's. It, you, you can see it's a perfect storm of, of technology getting to be the right capability at the right price and right now. And you can see it happening. And, and this year, it, 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 it's sharpening and sharpening and sharpening uh the, 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 what what stuff can do for for very little money it's quite extraordinary it really is
2: it is and but and, you know I want to flash back to the FAA thing you know it is pretty funny but it, you know if nothing else we have to thank them because I know <clears throat> it's given me purpose for the last eight years and I'll probably have eight more years of purpose well, enemy. otherwise,
1: they'd have to let you out into the community, and that would be a bad thing.
2: Well, you know, and and uh, exactly, you know. You're a loose cannon, you know. I am a loose cannon. I know that I'm, you know, a lot of people find what I have to say and write uh, kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, it could be prickly, <laughs> but, you know, that's that. And, and I think maybe this is a nice time to talk about one of the new features I want to do on the podcast next year. All right. You play ball? Weaker. I
1: know you want the goodie. Welcome to the goodie room.
2: Maybe, and I wanted to touch on this later, but you know, I don't. You got um, BP's doing some stuff up there in the Arctic with, and I think it's an Aeron Scout, which is a hundred thousand dollar system. Do you think that's work, all? Work. Yeah, yeah, it's a but. Uh, I mean, do you think that's all altruism up there? Or is this another shell game where Shell was up there? looking for places to drill but saying they were counting walruses or are you taking this one at face value anybody want to jump in
0: here i certainly don't that's uh you know of course the cynic is coming out of me yet once again but uh again it's a matter of what you know or who you know not what you know and i i think that these people are in the right position to be able to get that done and we've always said patrick you know follow the paper trail follow the money and uh, BP obviously has a lot of money, and uh, energy is obviously a very important issue for us. So under those auspices, it's very easy to see how uh, certain concessions would be made. And suddenly they're okay to to fly the pipeline, which uh, is quite surprising to me, since it is still considered part of the NAS, and uh, whether they have a COA or not, uh, there's got to be some money being paid somewhere, somehow. It doesn't happen for free. Even a university doesn't do it for free. Uh, they get grants or some sort of funding that, that will help defray the costs, if you will, and those costs pay uh, investigators, researchers, uh, grad students, you name it. So it to me it sounds a little commercial.
2: Yeah, well, it does to me, too. But I think what we'll do, you know, and maybe, you know, one show a quarter or as it rears its uh, double standard head, I think we're going to, you know, I want to do more investigative journalism and, and, and talk about these. It is kind of funny. I did notice that at AUBSI, some of the, um, let's say, vocal opponents or, or detractors of the FAA had changed their story such that uh, I thought the body snatchers had got them. But as time rolls on, it's kind of funny as these people that were vocal opponents all of a sudden have gotten, you know, um, oh hey, we're we're doing this thing with BP up here in Alaska, you know. Hmm. Coincidence? Well, Patrick, uh, I don't know. Patrick, I, I think it's, it's, it's
0: important. Just... Go Sorry, ahead, Gary.
1: No, no, I'll see
0: you i I think it's important for us to to. Differentiate that we're not opposed to the FAA. I mean, we're willing to work with them as much as possible, and we want to do that. We have tried to do that since 2007 when this first came out. We've gone through several iterations, personnel changes, and so on and so forth. But we really want to work with them to work out a solution to this very sticky problem. And I, 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 I don't just, want um...
1: I'll give you a sort of a, a, to my mind, a sort of a difference between the CAA and the FAA. Uh, I was lucky enough to attend Farnborough, I think, in 2010, and I flew a very simple flying wing in front of 75,000 people at Farnborough, and it was done and dusted. But the difference is the man, the previous man had been part of setting it all up at the CAA. He wasn't part of the CAA anymore, but he just displayed a spitfire, leapt out and came across and looked in. oh, gee whiz, what's all this? was very excited about it all, you know, and it's. I think what you need in your your big organization is is people that are genuine aviation nuts, not bureaucrats, and I think from the outside that's what's holding you guys up, you haven't got aviators, you know, real enthusiastic aviators in there, it just blows my mind.
2: Well, there, there is that, but you know, I, and I think the thing with me, I, I like to highlight so I don't think you're going to get anything done, uh, doing a secret process, doing a closed-door process, doing backroom deals and giving people uh, special dispensation. And that double standard I don't like. So you know, if you have enough money and you have some political clout, you get to do what everyone else can't get to do, which is really uh, an un-American ideal in my mind so that's the thing I want to highlight I mean again you know I don't uh, I do want to see people in the NAS Um, God bless them for making money the thing is is I don't like uh double standards where people are doing commercial operations in the NAS. Meanwhile, if you're a mom-and-pop shop, you can't afford the lobbyists, you can't afford the advocacy groups going to bat for you, and you just languish in the backwaters. I think that that is one of the big problems why we uh, don't have common sense regulation. It's because the people that are really driving this thing are getting special dispensation and they're able to make money. You know, am I wrong or you know, is that is should that be a sticking point? I think it's a it's a huge sticking point, glaring sticking point, uh, for me, and I think it needs to be highlighted. Everyone else is afraid to talk about it. I'm not afraid to talk about it. I got nothing left to lose, you know? Except well that's not true. They did even try and uh you know, make it hard for me to do anything that I'm doing, but
0: whatever. I gotta keep talking about it. It's just not right. I agree with that, Patrick, and it's <laughs> Uh, I think we've all experienced some of that, uh, especially since we've b- become so intimately familiar with the uh, the ins and outs and the workings of the the agencies that are involved.
2: Yeah, it's it's, it's kind of a um, bad deal. But anyway, let's move on from that. But be looking for that for some more investigative journalism over the year. I think that ought to be interesting. Uh, people all the time are like, well, you know ask questions about it, and then I think we can bring some light to it. But I want to talk about some of the uh, the, the bigger stories of um, 2012. And we've had a whole bunch of them. I know we just had uh, a couple picked up by major news um, outlets. And, uh, Gary, maybe you can kind of speak to that first. What, what What's your biggest overreaching unmanned aircraft story of 2012?
1: well the, the the biggest one we had was was the chap who sent in uh the, the it was the river of blood story mm-hmm. um, and uh, where the chap sent in some images of of a stream next to um, a, a meat processing plant that was pumping it's quite simply pumping blood into <laughs> into the water uh, and and they recently have uh, received some indictments for that um, i'm not sure myself though whether that's It was a fantastic use of a very, very simple and very simple system, uh, indeed, uh, to get those images. Um, I I think it speaks more to the fact that there wasn't any pollution monitoring downstream. That's what I can't believe. You can get away with pumping blood into a river and nobody picks it up. Um, You shouldn't need to, you know, that's, of course, we all love UAS, but you shouldn't need a UAS to find that out. Um, So that was the biggest one. The Lego one was the very nice, uh, the Lego... Roger Copter was is a very very nice uh a, a little um a little fun story that's done very well as, as well indeed um both those stories have gone over uh, 80,000 views i think now
2: yeah and uh, i do believe that the uh, it shows you know another uh, positive use of what you can do with uh, unmanned aircraft and protecting the environment. And I think we brought that up before. And the um, Lego story illustrates how simple it is to uh, cobble yeah. this technology together and put it together. And uh, Gene, I d- didn't you have um, something or to add with the uh, the, the the pig blood story?
0: Uh yeah, I was involved with that one, you know, fairly early on when it happened. The guy, I, it happened in my home state of Texas. Uh so there you go. I'll I admit to that. Uh it was up north ways, but uh uh I was approached very early on because the individual was was quite worried about repercussions. And uh you know, I kind of walked him through, you know, the things, the scenarios that could or couldn't happen and uh, I think it kind of emboldened him and he moved forward with it, and I'm very glad that he did. Um, and we we see the, the result of it. The indictments and several of the family uh, that run the, the meatpacking company have resigned, and uh, there's no telling what's going to happen to that meatpacking plant, but uh, I would imagine that it will continue on and probably operate under, you know, a little bit more stringent output parameters. But, um, you know, again, and it... And it was just it was coincidental uh the guy was out actually just testing an airframe. He wasn't even really trying to do anything. He was just trying to get some shots, popped into a field and 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 got it but that's the beauty of a small unmanned aircraft. Yeah. You can pop into a field uh, like that and you can do the imaging very quickly and very small footprint, very low noise footprint. Uh, you can do some good work with it and be done and out. And no one has been threatened and no one has had uh, a significant increase in the danger quotient as that was going on. And, and I, I think you know.
1: That, I've just remembered. Um, sorry, Gina I interrupt you. I've just remembered another story. The falling down juice has helped me remember it. The um, didn't you rescue a llama this year? Weren't you involved in a dramatic llama rescue? <laughs>
0: Uh as a matter of fact we did uh, attend a uh, a disaster fair with our search and rescue rig and the uh the one lady that contacted us, um the only thing that she could remember is that we did searches and she lost her llama uh in the uh the cedar break. Not too far and and I can't believe I'm telling the story, but I'll go ahead since you started it, I'll I'll finish it up. And uh we uh actually went out and flew uh the the area in question and i said there's no way we're going to find this llama uh myron my uh my old business partner was with me flying at the time and as i left to go home and he was at his house he called me up and said you're not going to believe this he says i found the llama and uh we turned around and yeah, and it was we flew twice we flew exactly two flights and, and took maybe 50 or 60 photos, and if you've ever looked at the Hill Country cedar landscape, it looks like a bunch of chopped broccoli on a table. And right there in the middle of the chopped broccoli was this white llama, and uh, we went out and and uh, actually made the recovery, and the pregnant llama was back in the pen the next day, and... We we actually got credit for two saves because she was pregnant.
1: Well, you should take
2: you that go. that show to Tibet, huh? <laughs> <laughs> that's
1: another story,
2: isn't it? It's well, another story, but I think <laughs> yes, this is a good opportunity, and that's a good that is another good story right there. But that's another good use, you know, you're saving uh, livestock, um, you know, whatever else. But I think it's a good time to uh, interject too that people, if you have a story or if you catch something odd, you know, submit it. I always encourage people, you know, contribute to uh, the SUS news. You're contributing to the community. Be a part of the community. If you have something, submit it. You know, that's what we're here for. And uh, these yeah. stories like yeah. these, I mean, you may laugh at the llama story, but it's, uh, it, it's productive and it's, it's an application that makes sense. And, and so maybe by that example, other people will contribute to uh, stuff that they've done. And we want you to be safe, though. But it takes
1: a skill set as well. Don't forget, it takes a skill set as well. Everyone thinks it's quite easy just to pitch up, chuck a wing in the air, take some photos, come home, just in time for tea and medals. But it's not quite that simple. It's not no, quite that simple. No, it's simple. not. So it take, takes a skill set.
2: And planning, and, and, yeah, there's a lot to it. And that's, you know, you should read Jean's book. How's the book going, Wait. by the way? There, Jean?
0: Uh, You know, it's been well-received, and there's been a a couple of universities that uh, have decided that they wanted to use it for their their, uh, capstone course material for uh, a search and rescue uh, curriculum, which uh, I fully intend to support, and I look forward to doing that in 2013. I hope that's one of the things that I get to see in the new year is that uh, it does actually become a curriculum. And, uh, you know, we actually did – we used the book here not too long ago – with uh, uh, a training session that was held here in Texas by International Rescue 3, who is uh, a large uh, search-and-rescue organization that is worldwide, and they brought in people from eight different countries, and uh, I actually did the training for search-and-rescue using unmanned aircraft for them, and they were all very excited about it. So I think that you're going to see a lot more people and the SAR industry especially are going to be demanding the use of this tool because it's just so effective. And I think that's one of the positive uses that I think, Patrick, you mentioned that on your slide. I think the, a while back that of uh, it was a Pew poll where uh, John Q. Public was was uh, asked what would be acceptable uses that over 80% of the people said that search and rescue was acceptable. Was that correct?
2: Yeah. I, 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 the disconnect is, um, is definitely spying on people in their yards doing whatever they're doing. Okay. Uh, the search and rescue thing is very popular. Um, agriculture, people have no problem with that. Border patrol, people have no problem with that. Uh, it's it's just for some reason they have a Orwellian thing that, you know, you're going to have a quadcopter watching you shave. I, I I don't really think that's going to happen, but p- people are concerned about that. But, you know, one other note I want to talk about that um, that exercise that you were talking about was one of the podcasts where, um, and I think we called it, uh, it was a search and rescue exercise or something. But anyway, that podcast got like 20,000 downloads. So plus and uh, you know so that would indicate to me that uh, there is a big interest in this technology for search and rescue that one was a big one and well I don't want to you know jump the gun on that but I mean you know obviously uh, 20 plus thousand downloads there's a little bit of interest there
1: so yeah I know that the podcast has been a, a, a fantastic success uh, when you guys said you wanted to start doing it I thought well that's good Patrick can can pretend someone's listening to him when he's doing that. It'll keep him, keep him out of harm's way for a while, uh, having no idea that people would actually listen. And, and in quite substantial numbers. So, so well done, guys. Um, uh, I, I sit here to, and, and listen and, and punch the air uh, with some of the questions you ask. Sometimes you you hit the nail on the head, and it's it's gone really very very well. I'm I'm very impressed.
2: Well, I, I am too, and, and you know I wanted to talk more about that in the end there. But I, as far as the you know, the, the big technology stories for this uh, for this year, um, you know, you kind of alluded to that earlier, Gary, about how things are getting cheaper and everything else. And, I, and for myself, I, I mean, some of these crowd-based projects that, you know, that home-built radar that MIT was doing for yeah, 300, 350 bucks. Yeah, and you had the, the can antennas with the coffee cans. I was like, man, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. Sign me up. I want that. Yeah. And then I like the... Um, that I guess that that open source thermal imager for the cell phone. that's, yes, pretty that's another good
0: one. Cool. I yeah.
2: like that one.
0: I, th- I think Moore's law is going to be firmly in effect from this point forward on unmanned aircraft. I mean, we're going to see a doubling of capabilities every few months. It, it'll probably happen a lot sooner than the eighteen months that that you know Moore's law says. But it definitely is ramping up.
1: Oh, I I, I keep agree. trying to um, to define. Uh, UAS time. You know what? What year are we at? Where where are we? Are we are, are we in the 20s? Has the First World War happened? Is it, aviation just started? It was the First World War. We're in the 20s. I think I think we're moving. I think we're into getting into the 40s now. Um, and and it's it's only going to accelerate away. You know, or maybe it's about 1990 in computer speed. Who knows?
2: Right. Well, yeah, it's hard to it's hard to gauge. I mean, uh, when you see what people are doing, and the miniaturization of things, and what can be carried by, yeah. uh, by yes. you know a Lego quadcopter, you know, it's uh, this guy the limit on that one, and really this guy is the limit over here, you know, because we're not really leading the way. It's yeah. Limited. Yeah, it is very limited. The other thing it was a big news story, but uh, well, I don't know. I kind of kind of found it weird as I found a copy of the May Fourteenth issue of the New Yorker magazine. At the busy Bee laundry mat in Alamogordo, <laughs> that's the issue that I was in, and I don't know what is weirder <laughs> that the coincidence the coincidence itself or that someone in Alamogordo takes the new yorker and the, uh, <laughs> the jury's still out on that one, and we'll see but uh, i was I was surprised that was a big story didn't well, make we, we
1: matt mad, mad mentions this year um oh uh c n n the b b c uh all sorts of places, and back to that meat, uh, the, the the pollution story. I, I don't know. I think people were going to come and come and find me and, and and beat me up if I didn't tell them who it was. But we didn't. Um, but my word, if people were after who it was. I tell you, it was uh, it was it was quite the thing. But yeah, we've been mentioned right right across uh, all around the world, all all sorts of places, which was. Which is just, it's, it's it's fantastic. It really is.
2: Oh, yeah, and we're getting a lot of uh, a lot of traction. I mean, even last year I did uh, Huffington Post twice. I did The New Yorker, New York Times, um, fact-checked. I mean, now when The New Yorker is going to do an unmanned aircraft story, they call me up, hey, you know, could you fact-check this? I think next time I'm going to ask for a subscription, you know. There
1: you
2: go. Um, because it's like I don't even get to read the stories. I'm not a, I don't take the, uh. New Yorker, maybe I should. Um, and also uh, fact checked for a story that's coming out in the March uh, National Geographic. So people are definitely gravitating to the site, which I want to get into too. But uh, actually, maybe we could just, you know, segue right into that. Uh, so people are listening and and checking out the SUS news. People contact me all the time. They call me, hey, I want to do this. What's going on with this? Um, and, and I think um, that does segue into the next thing, and I, and I want to talk about the overarching the news. I don't even know what to call the the brand here, but uh, I've been looking at the numbers myself, Gary, and I got to say we are killing it. And uh, what do you what do you what do you attribute that to, Gary?
1: Well, I think we we have been well we 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 do we've been putting all the stories that we can find out there, and plus having some original content as well. And, and we're engaged. If someone asks asks me a question, or you, you a question, or Gina a question, we will we will come back to them and, and give them a response. And we'll do it from a a level and measured uh, sort of perspective, not just uh, oh no buy this from me, this will make it work, whatever it is. I think that's quite important. I think because we've been in a lot of the the, the sort of the communities and forums online. Um, we've attracted quite a—I was just, just before I, I, I came, I sat down and I was looking at the age groups, and it's interesting, there's another fairly large American outlet that operates that you all know, and their, their, demo, their demographic speaks to, to people in the 55 to 64-year-old uh, age bracket, and that's what all— so the web people tell me, and the bulk of our audience is between 25 and 44. And the way I mean, that blows my mind a bit because it means I'm not in it anymore. Um, <laughs> but um, so I'm not the bulk of our audience. So <laughs> we need we need younger people. Um, but the the thing is, those 25 to well, 25 to 35 year olds. Let's say regulations take 10 years to happen over there in the states. They're going to be in the industry the bulk of alone. other places that you might get their stuff from are going to be retired. So we're speaking to the right people at the right time.
0: I'd
2: concur. Gene,
0: Insight. Uh, I totally agree with that. Uh, one of the things that I think we do well is that we just do get the facts as much as we can and try to put them out there as unbiased as we can, and I think that's important. I mean, it's it's neither good nor bad. It is what it is. And I think Gary has done a fantastic job with keeping the format of SUAS News clean and readable. Uh, You can select the stories that you want to go read very quickly and easily. Uh, I think the format has worked out extremely well. Even though I had some rep, you know, little misgivings when it first started, I thought it was a little busy. But now I've gotten used to it, and it's, uh, it's very intuitive to me to be able to scan through and pick the stories out that I want to see. And it doesn't make any difference whether it's the military-industrial complex or whether it's uh, innovation or technology. Uh, there's always a good byline up there and a, 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 a picture that tells the story very quickly and uh i've just i've got to say kudos to gary as far as putting that together and getting that out
2: yeah it's and i know it's a big job uh i mean i, I look at the uh <clears throat> some of the statistics out there and you know i don't think people really realize how many registered websites domain names there are worldwide there's like something like 225 million registered domain names and when you look at our numbers and where we're at um I, I I looked at him the other day. I was I was pretty impressed. Um, you know, some people may say, "Well, you know, you still got a long ways to go." But this is kind of a niche industry, and uh, the other thing with that is this: uh, we beat both of our clo- uh, both of our closest competitors combined. I mean, uh, that's how on fire we are. I didn't even realize that until just even recently, how uh, how we were killing it. I mean, we're we're just knocking them dead. I can't even. Uh,
1: well blows my mind. I think you can attribute that, though, to, let, let's look at our audience though so that are 25 to 44. Um, they're the people that know how to use the technology. We reach out across all the social media means. Um, we reach about 10,000 people a day via various things. But that age group are the people that know how to use this stuff. They get their news. It, it, it's the way they, they work. You know, they're, they're, they're working. They're playing. They're, they're looking at the same device. Um so I think that's really helped our figures and it's also good that the others haven't noticed that and I've just given it away damn
2: <laughs> <laughs> I don't really think it's that I mean I do think that you know the, the 10,000 uh, people a day is pretty impressive um but I don't think it's only that I I do think that the other thing uh, across the brand and I've said this for a while and even uh, people from other let's say uh, marketing and whatever else really like is that the people that contribute and the principals with the SUS news brand have done all this stuff before we've done commercial we've done military we're doing military we're doing you know civil we've done i mean we've done most of this stuff so when you come here um you're going to get that kind of uh Let's say filter uh that acumen filter that people know what this technology can do, or you know is that snake oil, or yeah, they can do that, but we did this too, and then you know you can add to that and use this blah 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 so you're you're getting what you're getting is the the kind of the wheat from the chaff again, you know it's distilled down, you don't have to waste all your time looking and reading through things here it is right here it's been it's been filtered for you, and this is what's relevant, and there's nobody that can touch it yes, filter. <laughs> yeah, it, it is. It's totally a filter. And you know, I talked to other people like about the podcast. And again, I mean, it is. It's it, it's totally blown me away at how um, popular it it is. Uh, you know, again, I did think it was something we'd have you know 500 downloads a week and you know mildly uh, popular or something. But uh, you know, we've we've hit the 165,000 mark. Uh, yeah
0: impressive it's very impressive uh those those
1: are engaged people you know they're engaged people they've they've made a 10 megabyte down well thank you whoever's listening now you've just made a 10 megabyte download so you're engaged you know
2: you are and people say they they really like the on demand part of it you know uh, most people i talk to uh, listen to it on their ride home from work you know so uh That's great. You know, we're on track to hit a quarter of a million downloads. We should have that on the scoreboard by the year anniversary. It's a very distinct possibility. And if that happens, well, you know, we're going to have to have a party or something.
0: I bet it happens before the year anniversary. I bet it happens before because so many devices were purchased and went out over Christmas that uh, it's just ridiculous, and I think you're going to see an upswing. I hope so. I... Well,
1: yeah. Well, thanks for mentioning that, Gene, because remember, guys, if you click the top right-hand corner of the front page of SUS News under the uh, the little reveal there, that's a link through to the uh, tablet and smartphone version of SUS News. Uh, yeah. Completely free. All, always. That's, there's another thing we haven't mentioned. You, you, you're never going to get SUS News behind a paywall. It's always going to be completely free. Uh, we, we're not going to charge you to, to find out what's going on out there. But yeah Gene's right tablets tablets galore this christmas and uh, it's it's another great way of reading it i'm I'm very pleased with the way that one's going
2: yeah it's uh that's good too and the other thing is this advertisers are starting to take notice uh we have we have more people coming on board um you know I will say the feedback from people that have advertised with us they just they cannot believe how many views they've gotten or how many click throughs or impressions so you know it's all it's all on the upswing um and we're definitely hitting the right chords with the community the the podcast thing to me I, I do think it takes a lot of time and people probably notice i don't really write as many stories as i used to but it, it's hard just to like, just sit down and peck out a story um and it's also hard to kind of put together a podcast you know you have to find guests and everything else and we do have some mm-hmm. uh, some good guests um Hopefully lined up for next year. I've talked to some people, and then possibly, uh, you know, people have been talking about we need to get a couple of people on here, and we're going to see if we can do that. I, I think it's uh, it it is something that people want to hear. Obviously, when you get, I think our, our that uh, NASA show, the RPA science show, has has almost uh, twenty seven thousand downloads on its on its own, mind boggling to me. I mean, and
0: the live shows.
2: Don't forget the live shows we're going to try to do. Oh well of course we're going to do the live show with uh with Eugene that was another big show that other um the RPA the one that you mentioned where you did the um the the SAR exercise that was over right. over 20,000 downloads um and you got that uh, wonderful audio from the satellite phone from White Sands <laughs> I'll be back there uh, next year. I'll also be uh, in Alabama working on some projects. Uh, So we'll be doing some more live stuff from the field, which seems to be very popular. But I think that the one thing I want to say about that, though, is when you you think that you get 26,000 downloads, that's 26,000 man hours or woman hours, I don't know who's listening, of people that are listening to these shows. And it's like, are there even that many people in this community? Worldwide, I, I mean, I think or they're interested.
0: I they may not actually be in the community, but there are that many people interested, and it may be, it may not be the UA pilot. It may be a lawmaker. It may be uh, uh, a municipality. Someone, a, a city planner. It could be all those folks that are listening in to try to get a little bit more information on how they can effectively use the tool.
2: I would agree with that, Uh, it's just, uh, you know, talking about that, I did invite uh, Mr. Williams on from the FAA, the new head of the uh, UASIO, and I had to go through the uh, public relations channels, and um, they declined. So surprised. I know. Well, they were kind of thinking it was a little peanut whistle, but when I was telling them, we we regularly get, uh, you know, 5, 10, 15, 20,000 downloads. uh, You could hear the crickets chirping on the other end of the phone. But I said, you know, it would be an excellent opportunity for the uh, FAA to come on and kind of tell their side of the story because that's another thing is I think, you know, I know you know you kind of beat up on them here but you know they're not really that forthcoming with the information or their uh no. let's say the high points that they hit and this is a perfect perfect opportunity to come on talk about it um you know we're very respectful to the guests i mean i i don't uh you know i don't, I don't believe in having guests on the show and then start attacking them i don't really think that that's uh good radio so, um, you know, I invited them. They didn't. They didn't come on. I did sub- submit some questions for an end of the year piece. It doesn't look like it's going to happen because uh, they're out on vacation till after the first. I also was writing a, uh, a story, and maybe we'll have to wait till next holiday season about Santa Claus, Hanukkah Harry, and Kwanzaa bot, <laughs> and their their efforts to fly around in the nest. But uh, I didn't finish that either. I got caught up with end of the world and whatnot. But anyway, I think that uh, you know that is something, uh, and maybe it's a little horn tooting. I know there's a little with the with the brand, but uh, with the numbers, with the website, and the numbers with the podcast, um, I'm, I'm definitely taken aback.
1: And uh, yeah, we're we, we're finishing out on uh, getting on for a million and a half page views, which is for a, a little thing from a grass hut in Africa is not too bad.
2: Well, no, but I, I do definitely think it has a, a a worldwide appeal. And I don't think that, um, you know, other people can really hit that. I've talked to other groups that do, um, let's say, forecasts that sell reports, that, that, that sell some other uh, items. And, uh, you know, they they would talk to me and said, well, you know, wow, we really wanted to do a podcast. And, um, you know, and I said, well, you know, we're doing I tell them the numbers and they're just smoked, blown away. And they're like, wow, you know, you're only doing that on small unmanned aircraft? And I think that, you know, people have a misconception. It's like, well, first off the bat, when our uh, version of the small and small unmanned aircraft is the European version of uh, 150 kilos and under, which is actually a sizable uh, aircraft. Yeah. And I think that, you know, personally, I, I believe that 90 to 95% of the future of this industry is going to be that under that hundred and fifty kilos I'll put
1: money on it being under ten kilos
0: i would I'm with gary on that one i'd
2: I'd agree I think ninety will probably be under that you know percent but so I think people need to think of that and then the other thing is is that we can also speak to if you look at some of the shows that we did on the uh on the podcast, we talked about driverless cars we talked about engineering we've talked about uh Um, some other ancillary type of systems. We've talked about technology. We've talked about um, education. So we can speak to all of these different, um, you know, subjects that are kind of also contained in, say, the unmanned space robotics, and they all kind of go together. I really think that the space thing, there's a lot of opportunity for unmanned in space. Got a lot of big issues to overcome, one of them being radiation it's a long time out there to get to Mars and being radiated. Yep. And uh you know so all of these kind of come together. And, and it's the same with the uh, the web page, you know. I mean again, you know, we talked about some of those stories with the the uh the antennas and the, the radars and the IR and all the rest of that stuff. You know, all of those I think feed into the um into the, um, you know, into the the bubble, you know. It's kind of a holistic thing. Here are the aircraft here are some of the payloads they can carry. Here are some of the applications. And I think that is what makes the, the brand popular myself. Comments, Gary?
1: Yeah, I think so. Um, and, and, uh, and, and and you guys, everybody's in, enthusiasm and knowledge. Um, you know, you are getting it from people that have done it. Um, that's the difference. No one's ever going to um, be involved with SES News that hasn't flown a system. Like I won't not let that happen. <laughs> um, you know, it it, uh, it just makes sense. Uh, you know, you know what you're talking about then. But there's, there's a great uh, hunger for information about unmanned aircraft. There's an awful lot of ball dust out there, and there's a great hunger for the more accurate knowledge. I think um, many, many, you know, look. There's 130 licensed entities in the UK flying commercially now. So there's 130 businesses interested in what uh, what's happening. Uh, in the industry straight away and similar numbers in France and the rest of Europe. Certainly you guys that that have nothing flying over there because of course nobody would dare do it.
2: <laughs> well that's not, I got another uh, video in my mailbox today from some guys doing an uh, aerial tour of Las Vegas and it was on Vimeo and then you know you play the one video and you watch it and there was probably another uh, 350 videos up there of the same type of thing of different areas so you know there, there are a lot of people doing it. Unfortunately, it's in the closet, and the FAA denies it, and all the rest of that. But that's a whole nother story. I do say that um, there's a lot of interest. There's a lot of people that are in this, I, and that that is another appeal. I think of this group is we're and we are still out in the field doing this. I mean, I'm doing yeah. the the future warfare projects with the Army. Gene's out there doing the um, with some of that uh, NIST work and 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 the, the searches. And uh, Gary, I know you've, you're you're still out there tinkering, are you not? Yeah, I've
1: got an animal, uh, yeah, I've got an animal tracking uh, project on the go at the moment, um, and that's, that's that's pretty cool. Um, but I can't say too much about it. <laughs> but there we are. Uh, um, that's
2: that's kind of on one the of, the, side
1: of the good guys.
2: <laughs> that's one of the deals over here. I mean, you can't really talk about any of this stuff. Uh, right, right. It's, it's all generalities. Uh, so, you know, but we are a part of it, and we're on the cutting edge of it, and we're doing it. And there's nobody else that's got that. There's nobody that's got that history, and there's nobody that's got the uh, the ongoing application as we do, and the spare time to put all this out there for people to read, <laughs> which is light on spare time. Um, you know, another thing, uh, we're going to we'll be out there. Again, we're going to offer some shows from the road and some live broadcasts. Um, Some of them from sandy and exotic locales, and others may not be so sandy and exotic. Uh, And that ought to be interesting, and I would uh, definitely tell people to stay tuned for that. I'll also be speaking at UAS West in San Diego this March, and I'll be probably talking about that a little bit more if anyone wants to come out and say hi. And I think I'm going to be talking more about opportunities and the SUS News as an outlet for people to understand those opportunities. Because I think that there's a there are a lot of people that are interested in this kind of like you know uh, Gene alluded to, and I don't even think they know which way to turn to get started. Yep. You know? mm-hmm. So, sure. that, you know that's what we're here for. But um, and so you know I, and one thing I wanted to kind of close you know um, the, the today's program with uh, maybe someone wants to take a crack at the crystal ball for
1: 2013, Gary. I think 32-bit uh, processors for all. I think uh, cameras. I think cameras and collision detection uh, uh, will, will computer vision will become quite a big thing. I think in the next year, um, already detect, sense, and avoid. We've seen uh, we've seen the guys having it working in in Europe, and it works very very well using cameras. So that that'll come to the party. And last year I said the X8 was going to rule the world, and then Gene proved that it didn't rule the world. So I think we're at a point where autopilots are getting clever and that stuff's getting ahead. And airframes, perhaps, perhaps this year needs to be a little bit of a year for airframes to catch up on the smaller side. I'd concur with that, Gene.
0: Uh, Along the lines of what Gary said with uh, the cameras, I'm going to go a little bit further into the technical side of it and talk about the sensors. I think you're going to see more and more people paying attention to payload. Two reasons. One, they don't have to worry about flying anything. That's up to somebody else. And two, there is a huge demand for miniaturization of sensors that we need very badly in the unmanned aircraft industry. So I think you're going to see a lot of folks like the Texas Instruments, the the uh, the chip manufacturers and stuff like that are going to be working with other firms to produce some really really great sensors for us to use in smaller and smaller unmanned aircraft.
2: I'd concur with that, and I think that uh, it's kind of that kind of proves that point is if you look at some of the advertisers on the site, you know, uh, sensors. Sensors, sensor sensors and it's going I think the the competition's going to only get uh, a little bit uh, better, bigger, I think more people will produce, and I think that's going to be good for the community
1: oh, uh, just let let's look at um sorry Patrick just, just a, a sensor sort of example or or that sort of thing look look what we put up yesterday about um, Easter Island and mm-hmm. the work done there with a with a flying wing using j p yep. software from DroneMapper – Mapper. They've got yep. fifteen centimeter resolution images now, yep. imagine us talking about this five years ago that uh-huh. that would no. have been it that would have been how on earth are we going to do that and, and and there's there there you go you can chuck a wing, domestic camera on board fifteen centimeter imagery yeah. simples you know amazing really amazing
2: well, here's my prediction for twenty thirteen the f a a is going to give me clearance to uh map never never land and uh, <laughs> yeah <laughs> are <you> okay <laughs> that's about all you know you
1: know, you know where that is that's in scotland that's in a little that, anyway that's another story <laughs> <laughs>
2: well yeah uh, you know i'll probably get some uh the authority to fly there <clears throat> you know well, you could. <laughs> for the whole thing i'll talk to my friends over there at atf i got some um <laughs> I think. Uh, besides that, I, I agree with both of you guys. I think uh, there's lots of room for airframes. I think that the quadcopters are extremely popular. And then I wanted to flash back on that too. I totally got taken by the Iranians, Gary.
1: Uh, your <laughs> uh, Photoshop
2: story and and Gene kind of called me on that. He's like, well, I don't know. You know, they had some technical information in there about flying and uh, heat and whatever else and of course the air density and I was like wow you know sounds like they're nailing it here Gene's like "Eh, I don't know and then the next thing Gary throws up a story oh you know I've seen this before (laughs) well
1: I had I thought I've not seen that before I don't know where and the only thing that Sorry me was the lack of windmills <laughs> well good eye
2: good yeah. eye on that one I, uh, you know my hat's off to you I'm like damn it you know he caught, he caught that one so you know but that's that's kind of what you get here you know and it uh, shows that we're on the ball and checking it out and um, things are definitely uh, that's why people are coming here that's why we're popular well you know I think we pretty much covered 2012 but I don't know is there anything that I missed Gary
1: anything you missed well no nah, it, it was a it was a a year of consolidation for the industry i think definitely autopilots as we've said have got better i tell you what we've missed we've missed the open source autopilot um getting funding in a big way um 3dr chris anderson i mean they've got the potential of uh, of being game changers if you were uh, uh making autopilots for the uh for the, the the military and the small world you you might be worrying they've only got to start testing those things and getting them up to mill spec and, and they're away uh, i don't know what do you guys think about that go ahead
2: gene i i don't
0: i don't know that uh, that's going to be their market um, open source i I have a real uh, bias against open source when it comes to doing anything of any uh, special or very specific nature. Proprietary softwares and coding and stuff like that are going to be necessary to to really monetize it. I mean, th- that's the only way it can happen, to be quite honest with you. We've discovered that airframes is probably not where it's going to be at because the Chinese are, are copying them like mad and they're going to be out here. and Patrick has already predicted the uh, the, the sub-thousand dollar unmanned aircraft and it's there. Um so, you know, I, I don't know. It's it's going to be, that's going to be a tough one to call. Well, and, you know, you're
2: hitting on another thing, and that's another guest I'm going to have on. I've got a, a buddy of mine that uh, works at Intel here, and his, his thing is security. And security with networks, security with software. Um, and I'm actually going to, I want to have him on the podcast, and we're going to talk about that. Because, you know, even the military now is starting to pick up this. You know, they love the COTS thing, although I don't think that they really understood that perfectly, um, you know, oh, the cloud, we're all moving to the cloud, and oh, it's open source, uh, you know, you really may want to rethink that. I, the, the, the only problem I have with the open source thing is somebody could put, you know, a line of malicious code in there, um, and how do you, what, is, what are the vetting processes? There, There are vetting processes for using open source code. Uh, But then that kind of, let's say, takes away the advantage of the open source code, which is basically it's free and people are making it. But if you go back Uh, and you cross the T's, dot the
1: I's, and vet the software, it takes a lot of time and effort. Yeah, they definitely have to version it. But maybe you need to get um, Chris Anderson on here and and find out. I think, uh, yeah, I mean, I I didn't didn't mean that they go for the military market, but I think... uh, you know, in the, in, certainly in the civil market, if you if you at least make your autopilot the same spec, then uh, then you'd feel a little bit happier with it. So, but it it, it was a quite a big news story. Um, and also, the other one was the Roomba people. I've forgotten the name of the lady. They came out of the closet with their tethered uh, yes. hovering platform, yes. didn't they? Um, and and they've got a lot of money behind them. I'm um, sorry, I've forgotten the names now. But uh, that was another quite a big big story
2: I think well yeah that was big a lot of people are going the tethered routine I don't know if they'll get a lot of traction or not with that any open-source thing I'm not beating it up I mean you just you have to think you know uh, the United States is a very litigious um, let's say society and if you're a municipality and you're using and you don't vet that code and you use it you you could you could stand to get sued and i think that it's going to be very hard to certify that for a flight and whatever else now if you're doing it for the amateur thing that's fine um i think that's great i've talked to other people who are like yeah i'm, I'm going to use it and i'm going to have some smart kids write some code and I'm, I'm going to put it in my uh my unmanned aircraft system that i'm offering to police departments or fire departments okay you know, sounds good. I think that was, again, I don't want to beat the drum, but the uh, the product li- liability part of the Driverless Cars podcast, that's you want to go back and listen to. Because as soon as you start making stuff that you're selling for use by municipalities or commercial or and it crashes, you're going to be looking for people to sue. And, and you know, the manned model is more of a deal where um, usually the pilot dies in the crash and they go, oh, it's pilot error. You know, it's gonna be harder to pull off with unmanned aircraft. So just something to think about, um for for potential manufacturers. But that's kind of the stuff that you guys you get here, you know. Um, things to think about. But I do think that uh, we're still upward and onward. I still think that the sub four pound people there's a there's a real market there. It's too bad we didn't get that into the HR six five eight, um yep. about having that franchible with the community based standards. It's unfortunate. Uh, you know, I wrote up some good language for that, but unfortunately um, people from the community would not support that, and it's too bad because I think, uh, you know, just as you were saying, you know, 90% of it will be under 10 pounds. I think if there was something like that based on community-based standards, we had the 4 pounds frangible, under 25 pounds – or, I'm sorry, under 25 miles an hour, uh, you would see 80% of the market gravitate right towards that. Be so out I think door.
1: unfortunately um – i think one thing that's happened while all that shenanigans was going on was the rise i'm going to get blamed and shot down for saying this but the rise of first person view has put a lot of videos in front of regulators that in 2007 didn't exist 2005 2006 7 and they've changed their mind on stuff and i think the community shot itself in the foot to a large degree uh, right at the time that they shouldn't have done flying in places they shouldn't be and uh Look how high, how fast, how far I can go, and I don't think that's helped at all. Sorry, I threw a bit of a curveball in there, but no. just my thought.
2: I agree with that. Uh, you know, there's been a, there has been uh, instance after instance where it was a wrong turn, uh, shot in the foot. And that's because there's, you know, the one thing over here is the way our political system works, is so there hasn't been a concerted, like, say, effort, kind of like the space commercial space people did, where they all kind of, they knew they were competitors, but they all kind of came into that same circus tent, and it's paying off in spades now. Um, we have never had that. Basically, what we have is you have the DOD vendors. They've got the money. you got everybody carrying the water for them. They're trying to, I mean, even now, the thing that's cracked me up and, and maybe... uh Gene, you can speak to this. Is, you know, we say, oh, okay, well, we got to get the small stuff first. We got to crack the door open. We got to get our foot in the door. We got to start somewhere. We got to do this. And it, it is always um, almost secondary with the smalls because they're always talking about the big sense and avoid this. And how are we going to get these big aircraft going to fly here? And here's the commercial case for Global Hawk. And here's the, you know, Gene.
0: Concur totally, we have seen that trend start from the very beginning. And, again, uh, you have to follow the money. Uh, you know, at uh, the Predator at $12 million a copy is uh, obviously going to carry more clout than, uh, you know, a, a $10,000 small UA. Yeah, but
2: it's, uh, it's been a, a situation where – this community, you know, has just is like crawled all over themselves to shoot themselves in the foot.
0: Sure, I mean, it, and it's because of the rise of the small RPA, and uh, as Gary alluded to, the RPV, uh, first person view, the FPV view, is, has has uh, just exploded, and it certainly contributed. There is no two ways about it; it contributed to what lawmakers and people who are actually influencing the way the, the UA industry goes, how they think. And unfortunately there have been a few pretty bad ones and they they've flown in areas where they shouldn't have flown and had something gone wrong, it could have been horribly, horribly wrong for us. Right. So and, and I think people realize that. I think the the people that are in the industry know that. You, and if you have any intentions of continuing in the industry, you would probably safeguard against that. It's the other folks are doing it out there as a hobby, don't really care, just trying to go for the big wow picture or the big wow video, and boom, there you have it.
2: I, I would concur with that, but I also think that uh, you know we we most of the let's say standards money and the work. And everything else keeps focusing on the big um, aircraft. And, you know, when people start talking about collision problems or, or issues with that, and sense and avoid, and all the rest of these, and integration issues, yeah, when you have an aircraft that's as big as the 737, wingspan wise, uh, you have, uh, let's say, uh, something that you really have to concern yourself with. Again, you know, you get down to something that's made of wooden foam and it's under four pounds. Uh, And frangible, it's going to bounce off. And if we started there, we'd already be capturing the data and yada, yada, yada. Um, I I think that the American public is looking at the industry as a DOD, you know, Terminator drone industry that has um, these congresspeople on the payroll. And, you know, all of this was brought to the people, attention to the people who were running the show or carrying the water for the DOD and whatever else. They just weren't interested in hearing it. They're still not interested in hearing it. And they're still not you know,
1: interested. I, uh, I can remember in the U.K. when the CAA just sent out a little letter and said, what would you like, lo- lo- like to do? And we all submitted our responses, and they collated them. And they said, well, all right, this is how we'll start then. <laughs> That's how complicated the process was, yeah. <laughs> you know. <laughs>
2: But, uh, you know, Dodson, Mr. Dodson and Mr. Whitaker were uh, definitely, they were pragmatic guys, and they were approachable people. You know, I met them at, uh, I want to say that was either UAS 2009 or 8, and they were approachable. You could go to them. You could talk to them. Uh, I was showing them stuff on my computer. I said, hey, this is kind of what people are doing. Oh, you know, this is interesting. Well, what do you think about this, and what do you think about that? Okay, well, here Okay, and they came away from that, Um, they weren't, you know, uh, let's say, cocky or they weren't, you know, this guy's crazy or, well, you know, that makes sense. He's got this little aircraft and kind of wants to do something small. Great, you know, you can start off, we'll give you a little bit of rope and you can go and start and do something, which is a totally pragmatic approach. I think a lot of the, let's say, um, government people in Europe are definitely more approachable, more down to earth and and uh you can talk to them you can have a conversation uh about what they're doing and the funny one other when it, you know the FAA were leading the way they just laugh they think it's absurd but we'll see maybe they have something in their in their bag of tricks for us in 2013 we'll see the um what other mandate are you going to slap up there on the missomatic this year gary is there anything well
1: that's <laughs> Yeah, I got so bored changing the dates on that, that I took that down. And in the end, it's just got so far, it had to go back up again. But can you remember, there was a time when we were changing it every couple of weeks, because there was some some or other reason. So to the layman from the outside that really can't understand you guys, even though you seem to speak roughly the same language, what's the deal with 2015? What's really going to happen then?
2: Gene, do you want to give a swing
0: at that one? Well, 2015, at the rate they're going, could be another big miss. Uh, you know, we've we've heard everything since 2007, everything from six months to 12 months tops to 2010. Here we are five years, six years later, and we still have nothing conclusive. Nothing really is moving toward resolution to this, this problem at the moment. Uh, the COA process that was in place back then is still in process now and in, in place now, and it's it's not gotten significantly better from what I understand, although there are some people who can get COAs quite easily. Uh, again, that's not what you know but who you know. Mm. Uh, so, you know, it's... 2015, I, I just I, – I'm not holding my breath because we've heard – already heard mentioned 2017.
2: Yeah, I would uh, – here's here's my prediction for 2015 because people are like, oh, any day with the SFAR. Any day with the SFAR 107 for, for the small UAS. Uh, recommendations which is the arc that I was on and this is another deal you know uh those recommendations were published uh, on April 1st of 2009 and I don't know if they have April fools day over there in, in uh, Africa Gary but you know it's it's contemptible i got a picture somewhere i threw that i went over to the bird or the uh, pet store and threw it in the bottom of a bird cage and snapped a picture of it and even the guy that owned the store was laughing <laughs> Because, uh, you know, here it is, it's two it was 2009, we're 2012. I think if we're lucky, if we're lucky, you see some leadership over there at the FAA, you see someone grow some stones and decide that they're going to get this thing rolling, 2015, you may see the SFAR for small unmanned aircraft. That's what I think. I think the, the co thing, Smoke and Mirrors, you know, we could we could even do a whole other show on you know the the expedited thing. They got they picked eighty five people over there to come and fly fly over there at uh, at Fort Sill, right in Oklahoma. Gene,
0: Secretary well, that's they haven't gone through the selection process yet that uh, has been made public, but uh, we do know a couple of the DoD larger contractors have been flying since before Christmas.
2: Yeah, I think I read something somewhere not too long ago here, actually, maybe even today or last night, where I talked about they got, they got about 85 folks picked out. Now, let me ask you, did, were you invited?
0: Um, As a matter of fact, I was probably one of the first submitters of white papers and uh, spoke with some folks up there at the DHS, and they haven't given me my invitation yet.
2: Really? Because
0: they, they didn't mention
2: in this story that there was about 85 people that have picked been picked. It's going to expedite things for the COA process, you know. And I don't even know if anybody really knew what the the, the expedite thing for the COA process was. And uh, maybe it was you that brought it that to moved light. Moved to Alaska, wasn't it? Moved to Alaska. Um, that was
1: that was the expedite, wasn't
2: it? Or either that or, you know, up there within, you can do the in-situ thing, or there's a couple other places where you're you're able to fly, but... Um, it's a drop-down menu, and the aircraft will already be in there. So, like, say you want to fly that the trash can, it, it'll have it has the parameters in there, the flight parameters, the glide path if the engine yeah. quits, things like that. So you don't have to fill that into your paperwork. That's already there for you. You just click on it, and that's that's part of the the co expedite that they've got together. To me, it's contemptible. I don't know if people read the uh, cake eater story that I wrote for the uh, for the web page, but uh, you know, I mean, I I don't know who they're fooling. I mean, that's just contempt for Congress, and if Congress sits back and takes that, I guess you know that's what they're they're doing these days. If I was Congressman, man, I'd be like, we need some accountability down there, or you got to go. I don't think that, um, and as as if it, people that read that story, I put in the letter that I cc'd to the acting administrators, you know. If that guy ever comes up for confirmation as administrator of the FAA, then we gotta go total grassroots and write to every congressperson and senator in this country and tell them why that man should not
1: be confirmed as administrator for the FAA.
2: And one of them is contempt.
1: You know? Wow. Heavy heavy stuff. Now, if you rub your balls hard there, um, Patrick, what about the NPRN? Uh National Public Rulemaking. how do your balls see that?
2: Well, the uh, I, like I said, I don't think that that's going to happen. That's that's probably what'll roll out in 2015,
0: if we get lucky, as we'll wow. see the, the small UAS wrecks. That's what I well, think. Well, now you got to understand the process too. The FAA says that they are done with that particular part of it, and they have it is out of their office. It is now with the NTSB the National Transportation Safety Board and they need to go through their process now it's out of their hands.
2: Yeah, but the problem that I have with this is okay, so you have that they've made the recommendations or whatever. Again, this is like a public rulemaking process probably about last time I checked 10 people had seen that within like say the FAA and whatnot. And uh, you know, we don't we don't even know what's in there so what are they going to like fight it out or go through something that totally doesn't make any sense i will tell you that on the small unmanned aircraft systems arc and i want to do a reunion show this year um there were very very few people that had any unmanned aircraft experience on that arc it was Tad mcgear it was myself there was um fred marks from uh fma direct uh, and you had Rich Hansen from, from the uh, AMA and whatever else. But, boy, the people that were really moving and shaking there and making the rules and talking about what we were going to do, AOPA, ALPA, um, you know, the, the the big dogs in the group – so even what's going to come out in that, I wasn't. I think it's a killer myself. It's it's an industry killer. And so it's to me, to see you know, oh now the NTSB's got a hold of it, and they they don't they probably have unqualified people in there looking at it, and they don't know what we're going to do. They're not bringing anybody in. Nobody's talking about this. There's no daylight on the subject, and there's there's no telling what type of sausage we're going to get at the end of the
1: day. So when you get to that point at the end of the day when it comes up I believe is it for 90 days of comments something like that uh, uh can can people i uh, not knowing the American system can people make a difference when a rules made in the comment period
2: You can you can you as a as a citizen you have the right to comment uh that's that's part of it being uh, published in the national registry but you know and here's here's the rub for me is okay, you're a citizen, taxpayer guy, you know, the NAS I view as a natural resource and I can I could I could sit down and write them up. sagacious comments, pragmatic, whatever. I, I could write everything up for them and send them in. Uh the FAA is under no obligation um do, they don't have to change one letter in what they write. So you could comment all day long. And it was the same thing that happened with the the model rocketry over here. And that's how I got involved in this. They clamped down on model rocketry. Uh, There were some of the big groups, made comments. There were no changes. There were no changes at all. And the people that made those changes had no knowledge of model rocketry. And so, you know, that hobby was uh, hobbled. And I think you're going to have the same deal here. You know, I mean, I could go totally Debbie Downer on you and talk about what I think is going to be in that NPRM, but I think we'll save that for another show. Um, yeah. It's un- it's unfortunate, but the we had missed the boat um, really to tell people we weren't going to take this crap long ago. Um, and we kind of sat back as a community. There were there was a lot of pushback and from within the community that if we let the sleeping dog lie, then we'd get the FAA wouldn't we wouldn't even be on the radar and nothing would happen. You remember all that, Gene?
0: I do very very well. And uh, it is it's unfortunate because we we trusted that something was going to be done. We were told that things were going to move forward, and we tried to trust it as far as we could. And every time we got a new answer, uh, we tried to trust it, and, you know, here we are, like frogs in a pot, the water, the heat keeps getting turned up, and it's too late to get out now.
2: It is too late to get out, and we definitely, uh, you know, languished in that pot when we should have been doing other stuff, but, you know, again, another podcast for another time, I'd like to, you know, <clears throat> wrap the show up on a happy note, as we're at about an hour. Hour <laughs> Yeah, in a bit. But, you know, it's a good conversation. But uh, and, and Emma's really glad that we got a chance to have you on, Gary. And I think that, you know, we usually do the show live. But I think from now on, all all overseas guests will be, uh, we're going to just put them in the can as the audio is decent. Um, and I, I enjoyed having your insight on today's program. And Indeed. Yeah, I mean, it's good to, to have you on there. And I think people could get a better idea who Gary is and uh um, I like I said, there's a picture that I paint, even when you got the high speed internet, you know it's like and they parted the thatch on the round hut and brought the cable in, so Gary well, would they have did. A...
1: <laughs> they did <laughs> well, they did
2: <laughs> I don't know but it's it's a funny picture to conjure up, so in closing, uh did you have anything that you would like to say, Gary?
1: Well, I just thanks for all the support from anybody out there in the community this year, the people that have sent us stories and uh, given us tips, the little things that's going on. Please keep them coming. Thanks very much. I hope everybody has uh, – I'm going to be back to some adult beverages now, and in about two and a half hours' time, I'll be seeing into 2013. So everybody has a very, very uh, safe and happy uh, New Year's, and uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing some exciting stuff coming out of uh, – universities and clever minds around the world next year. I concur with that, Gene.
0: Looking forward to 2013 and and continuing flying. Uh, Of course, that's what we do. We do it best in uh, going out and doing the searches and flying the fires and doing some really, really cool science and uh, looking forward to that. Echoing Gary's uh, sentiment, I hope everyone has a, a healthy and prosperous 2013 we'll see what happens when we stumble over the fiscal curb here and uh, it's all going to be good if we just keep the faith right
2: i agree and concur with all of that and uh, i wish everyone a healthy and happy and prosperous new year i know it's going to be exciting i got a lot of stuff uh, coming up in my future that i'm excited about Um, and i hope to share that with the podcast listeners and i hope that the readers listeners And uh, followers of the SUS News brand uh, continue to contribute and follow what we're doing on all of the various social networks, on the webpage, the podcast. Please, if you have anything you want to hear about, see, talk about, guests you want on, you can email Gary uh, at SUSnews.com, Gene at SUSnews.com, or Patrick at susnews.com or if you have a news tip or whatever else come on become part of the community get on in here we want to bring everybody in the circus tent and until next year um, or next week we'll see you then
0: (laughs) adios with the lucky
1: land slots you can get lucky just about anywhere